Hey folks, welcome to Biomass. We are on episode 231. Glad you could join us. This is kind of a part two of our Project Nova discussion, and we're bringing in some people uh, that have been long-term fans of the series, so we're, we're looking forward to that. So let's get started with the introduction, starting at the top of the list with Sarai Zell. Hey, this is uh, Sarai Zell. I'm a co-host here on the show, and um, that's that's all I have for you today. Hi, we have guests. We have guests after so long. All right, Fohammer, you're up, man. All right, um, Fohammer, um, Dust Veteran since uh, beta. Been playing all the way from the beginning to the very last second. Uh, uh, my claim to fame basically in the game is uh, you know, being in faction warfare, being a very effective squid killer. Developed a little bit of a reputation before uh, cutting my teeth into uh, PC. I actually have a history with uh, Jason and uh, Pokey with uh, OSG before I ended up splitting due to a little bit of uh, ideological differences, but we're still on the terms. Um, outside of that, I'm currently setting up to be a uh, streamer for Project Nova one day, uh, green like that. So you can check me out on uh, caffeine.tv slash Fulhammer. All right, good stuff, man. And Jason, you're up. Hey guys, Jason. I'm also the co-host here on Biomass, uh, and like like many of us, longtime best player, first time caller. Uh, I I got in literally, I think, on the second day out, like on the live launch. So I was not in beta, but uh, it was I think it was literally like the second day. It was up for like normal play. So I think we're I think generally most of us got in and right around the same time or beta. So uh, that's. That's my OG dust bits, uh, so to speak. But, yep, glad to have everybody on board tonight. All right, and Libby, you're up. Hello, I'm Libby. Um, I do a lot of the Nova coverage by Mass Along with Pokey, as well as doing dungeon crawling, whatever we do. Um, I do not have any dust claim to fame, but I did play it. <laughs> All right, and Ripley, you're up. Hi, I'm Ripley Riley, CEO of the Incorruptibles and mod of the Dust Vets Discord server at the moment. Um, Bad poster, forum warrior, spent some time in Amar and Kaldari Faction Warfare. That's really it. All right, and I am Pokey Draven. I, like I said, I've been covering a lot of the Project Nova news with Libby. We were at E-Vegas uh, and got to try the game, which was pretty fun. But uh, yeah, so just kind of uh, put this one off. So we started off last week um, with kind of the hosts talking about our thoughts and that sort of thing. Um, but we wanted to bring in people that, you know, we're long-term fans of the series and that sort of thing and kind of get their thoughts on what they saw and that sort of thing. So um, it's going to be kind of a like a roundtable discussion sort of thing, but we will kind of try to keep it a little more structured so it doesn't go too long. But uh, starting off, what did you guys think of kind of the opening ceremony, trailer, that sort of thing? Well, uh, I thought it was uh, pretty good. Um, I'm glad they're like, uh, respecting the history of, um, of the Dust uh, veterans, the mercenaries. Um, the concepts that they were going with the game, I was originally skeptical of when I heard about it uh, way back when, when they were first uh, announcing it. But uh, it looks uh, better than what I was uh, expecting. Um, a lot of people, myself included, were um, not really sure how they're going to go with it. But um, them bringing in PVE, I think, uh, helps showing that it's not just dust, but it's um, taking a lot of the foundations that would make it good and expanding upon it. Um, aside from that, we'll really have to wait and see because we weren't really shown much, and I think a lot of people are like uh, quick to jump on the gun right now and uh, try to judge it, even though it's in pre-alpha, and we were only given like a very, very uh, minuscule look into how deep the game is actually going to be. 
I um I enjoyed everything I saw in the trailer personally. Um I felt more connected to New Eden and the, you know, Eve universe seeing Eve ships in the trailer than I ever did with uh whatever PC was trying to get across to me. I mean, um Eve has always been spaceships and we were on planets in the dirt. I just didn't see the connection. Uh the Sancha were sufficiently creepy and weird which is good. I'm glad they just don't look like other mercs that have a Sancha logo on their chest. Um, and uh, I am supremely disappointed that it has vehicles because that means every nerd in the Dust Vets channel will be like, does this mean vehicles now? No, it doesn't. Yeah, I had to explain to someone that that was a flashback. <laughs> Calm down. Like, really chill. Like, but it was in the trail. I'm like, no, <laughs> stop. It's this has been discussed many times. It's not happening. It was just a flashback. Relax. Should have had like one vehicle blow up and then one frame of Rattati staring, being like, no, no vehicles for you. Well, regarding the um, like the planet side engagements, I think uh, yes, I, I do agree that like Eve is mostly like known for being space, but I, I did uh, like what Dust was trying to do with planet side engagements because it allows us to explore something that is fundamentally in excess with Eve and that being able to explore uh, other aspects like what it's like on the ground. Um, hopefully I do, I do believe in the few, uh, when the game is, uh, able to stand on its own feet, as Rattati said, that we will return there because it will allow us to do a lot of things that you can't do in Eve. Well, I, I don't know the way it's going to manifest. Um, I'm sure it's probably completely first, very first draft right now. But we know from conversations with Rattati that he loves him some PC. He considered it to be one of the marquee features is what the phrase I used, used, uh, I hear used a lot to describe PC from Dust. Um, so it's going to happen. I still think we're going to get something resembling PC one day. I just, in its current form, I think that being on ships thematically links the game better than being on a planet. Um, but I, I, I still think we'll get PC one day. It just, it just won't be at launch, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Like, I still believe in that uh, original uh, trailer that they gave us uh, when they had the Skyfire battery. I, I still want that to this very day. And I think uh, now, with a lot of the additions to EVE, there was even better incentive to put that into dust and connect it. But I think we can get to that in other topics. Now, Fohammer, you kind of mentioned, um, you know, uh, people jumping to kind of uh, judge the game based off the gameplay that they saw and, and the information that was shared. Um, let's start with the gameplay. Um, what do you guys think of of that in particular, that specifically? Oh, go ahead, Ripley. I was going to say, um, Pokey, you and I have already discussed this at length, um, that we want PvE, we want co-op PvE, and we want it so difficult it makes you question your life choices um so knowing that pve is in the game and that it's going to scale you know there's going to be a easy medium hard nightmare type difficulty setting apparently that would be super exciting i like what i saw there um the class-based abilities i'm still a little undecided on um i like the concept of it and i like how every class gets something unique i personally think the assault slide is a little bit silly but um all of the other abilities seem neat, so um, I'm ready to see more. The weapon options that were made available, uh, I mean, I, I like all of them. I think that shotgun might be my new favorite weapon, so I want to get my hands on it. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. 
I was saying, uh, like, I, I agree with a lot of what he said. Um, we pretty much hit everything on the nail. Um, I, I do actually kind of like the, the, the slide for um, the, the assault class. Um, one of the things that I always thought of when I was um, playing Dust was I compared to uh, the drop suits to EVE counterparts and how they uh, compared. And I always like um, equated like um, the assault frames in Dust to like uh, heavy assault cruisers in EVE. And, and I, I do think that uh, Slide kind of acts as like a sort of like micro warp drive type thing that you would uh, normally fit on a, on a, on a hack. Yeah, that comparison was was brought up in um, the Project Nova channel, and I agree. It's just not everything translates from Eve to a first person shooter super well. Like to me, whenever I imagine micro warp drive or something, I imagine a super sprint um, where you can run in a straight line. It's like a charge. You can't turn very well, but you can run really fast. A slide just feels I don't know. But it's not a deal breaker at all. I just think it's a tiny bit silly. There was things in dust that were silly, so it's whatever. Well, let me, if you guys don't mind, I, I kind of wanted to tease this out. This was actually a big kind of conversation point we had is sort of the, the general kind of dynamic movement piece. Um, I, like, so from the video I saw, I, I will have to admit the power slide was a little, I, I'm not sure what to think about it because, you know, we've all seen sliding, you know, like kind of that power slide move in a lot of other games. But, now, was it only tied to the assault suit class? Is that yes. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's one of the things that I, I question a little bit is uh, that that to me sounds seems like a, a fairly basic move set that I would want pretty much anybody to do. Um, and, yeah. and I think that's one of the things I was a little confused. I, I understand what I think Rattati's doing based on how he framed it in the roundtable, but and I also am very well aware that this is a, you know, like you said, a pre-alpha build. But I, I guess where I kept getting hung up on it, because I think we've seen a lot of offerings in the last couple of years of of more science fiction-y like shooters. If you're in zero zero G with like war clones and power armor, I guess I would just expect more dynamic movement. Uh, like really going into the sci-fi piece. I mean, I, uh, it, it looked good for what it was, but just it seemed a little bit just for me personally off in terms of the setting of zero G on a ship's hull. And it was very, um, it wasn't slow. You know, that's not the word I'm looking for, but it's much more um, like grounded, for, you know, for lack of a better term than I, than I kind of thought it would be. So the first answer and my, you know, my tendency to, you know, we're in zero G space. Why can't we do X, Y, or Z is to say, uh, we're wearing a gravity harness that gives us one G. So, we're not going to behave like we're inside the International Space Station. We're, we're going to behave like we're on the surface of a planetoid, you know, something that's giving us gravity, I think. Um, I'm there with you because I also wondered, like, are the scouts' knees just too soft? Can they not slide or it kills them? What happened? Why, why, is, that, why is that a special ability? High G makes sense for the um, Sentinel. Uh, that sounds like a, something unique to it. Hovering. Okay, sure. Um, but other forms of movement, like I know it's been brought up in the Project Nova channel a couple times, like wall running and sticking to a ceiling. That to me doesn't sound like a game that came from Dust. That sounds like Titanfall, which is a game that's already out, and I encourage you to play it. It's great fun. Yeah, no, I, I think I'm kind of with you on that, but pretty much everything you're describing, I mean, it's, it's one of those where they have game mechanics that they have and they're building I think just you know, sort of not lore, but you know, reasons to explain it. 
mean, the, the reality is if we're saying we're going to manipulate gra gravity, like you said, to me, sliding, hovering, uh, you know, any, almost any kind of movement that you can think of, you can, you could do. Now, I actually don't know that that, I don't actually think that's a great idea, but it's almost a little bit of uh, the same feeling I had in um, the division. There was just things that just didn't seem to connect in terms of the setting that you could do or not do in the game. Now, that being said, I don't think it's going to be a bad thing, but also when you can fall off the side of a ship as though it's a cliff, I, I, I kind of, it feels honestly like they took whatever physics or mechanics they had from planet side and then just changed the skin or the environment that they were playing around and they didn't really either have the capability uh, or just didn't think through what that would mean on a ship's hull. And that's not because they're bad. It's just maybe that's, that's where they're at. Yeah. I don't know where they are in development. That could be a slated item. I, I really don't know. Um, but yeah, it is a little bit immersion breaking uh, because what should happen is you float off into nothing. But then I also follow that logic through as a player. If you jump off the edge of a ship, you're just going to kind of like float around and not be connected to anything for a while. And then I guess you'll have to self terminate, which I don't know how, how fun that would be. Like, is it necessary to include that whenever it's going to be so unfun for the end user? Yeah, no, I mean, I just assumed it would have been sort of like, you know, you in destiny where you, like they have basically a 360 bubble around you that you break. And if you're outside of it for four seconds, you, you know, you're done. Uh, that's, that's what I kind of assumed that, that we were going to see. Well, and you could improve the death animation. So you know, you fall off, you jump off, and your your grav plating, whatever is trying to hold you to the deck, is not going to work there because you're now too far, and so you kind of just float off and die. You know, that could that could be done. Like it it could have it auto terminate you or whatever. But just rather than f quote unquote falling you float off to your death instead of falling to your death or something like that. That's, that's an animation issue, really. Well, one of the things that uh, I think we're all like forgetting is it's not just going to be on ships that you mentioned. There's also the potential to be in like stations inside of ships um, on like asteroids and things like that. So um, having these animations that are a lot more grounded, um, it would make more sense because it, it's, uh, it's, it's not just going to be on top of ships. So like a lot of those zero G environments, aren't going to apply in every single uh, scenario. You know, that makes perfect sense to me, Bob. Now that, that, that 100% makes absolute sense to me is that as the environments change, like the mechanics of the environment or the, the, the conditions around it would change too. And, and you know, again, you know, that's, that's not a new thing that you've not seen in other games. I would say I, it, we we're probably a, we, we have not seen enough to really judge anything. And then B, um, this literally could be just one of those things where it's like, hey, maybe this is just an aspect that some people like and some people don't or whatever. Uh, it's literally just personal opinion you know, based on, on what style of game it is. I, I will say this. I really hope that they explore whatever the basic moveset for all characters is a little bit deeper. Uh, like, I actually, honestly, I, like I thought the hover to a degree, you know, or at least, you know, like some kind of a little bit better high jump, but, it, but the hover and the slide were both, things that I kind of thought every player would want uh, just based on that scenario uh, that we saw with the different class sets. And I, I, I like the idea of like really different capabilities pursuit, but like I said, just all the shit, zero G, I, I, I kind of want a little bit more freedom. And then you really lock it down. Like you said, when you get in, into the ship 
if they ever let us get down into there or onto a station or an asteroid or something like that, I think there's, I think, now I also realize it's not as, as easy as, uh, as it is to say as it is to do in the game in terms of building it too. But like I said, I don't think we've seen enough of the game to really judge anything. You guys think that's a fair statement? Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah, I mean, we we were looking at uh, footage that I I can't remember who confirmed it if it was Pokey or someone else, but uh, Rattati said that that build was already outdated by the time it went out at Vegas. So um, there could be changes to animation. By the way, did you go see the hacking animation and how janky that looked? Something else that could be tweaked and improved on. It, it reminds me of the janky animation that Dust started with, which later got replaced. Yeah, so I mean, it's pretty clear there's some polish needed. Right. So that can happen. And we're about to start an alpha. And that's one of the things alphas are for is adding additional polish. What I'm far, far more concerned with um, is one of the pillars that was in that original first newsletter. It was talking about um, a depth of customization that we have not yet seen and progression, customization, persistence that um, all, all the demo that we saw was gameplay, which is good. Gameplay is good. But the thing that kept me playing Dust and still keeps me playing Eve is theory crafting fits and planning skill growth and progression and all that. I f find that super engaging. We have not seen any of it yet. So I'm super curious, and a little bit anxious about how that's going to work. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't sell theory crafting to normies who don't play Eve and Dust. No, yeah. I pointed that out in, in the Project Nova channel because someone brought it up and I was like, yeah, but do you really want someone in line at Vegas for three hours making a fitting? And you're like, dude, please. Well, in all fairness, if the crowd that you could get away with that on is probably the one in Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I, you're absolutely right, though. And I, and, and I believe uh, Rattati even kind of, I think he kind of intimated this to, to Livy and Pokey in the interview that um, they really wanted to show off specifically, I think, the gunplay mechanics, which... But, you know, I, I thought, at least from what I saw and what the guy, you know, what the folks tell me that played it personally, that they were, it was very solid. You know, it was, it was very, very good. And, and, and if that was their objective at Vegas was to basically have a, an official rollout and then highlight that, hey, we can make, make something with some solid gunplay, which, you know, that was a problem, certainly initially in Dust. I, you know, from that aspect, I think, you know, maybe mission accomplished, at least for, for this initial iteration with them. Yeah, it says a lot. So I have played Destiny 2, and I, I love the uh, gun feel in Destiny. It's really smooth, and I enjoy playing that as a shooter because it's so smooth. And if that's like the benchmark, if that's A+, plus, uh, and how many millions of dollars did that take, and what size team that took, and compare it to what I saw um, in Vegas and what Pokey has explained to me in you know private, and how smooth and good it felt, you're getting like a B or a B plus from a game with a fraction of the team and a fraction of the budget which is a huge accomplishment so if that's what they were going for they knocked that out of the park but i just i really want to see progression and customization next that's super important I, honestly it probably won't be in the alpha because um they're going to want people to play like get in there and start trying the different maps and killing each other with different things and see what breaks yeah now i, I will say this like you you kind of hit on something rip that that honestly really I'm a little bit not sure where to go with it on Nova because, uh, like, I, I legitimately want that. I want that game to be very successful. I, I actually want Rattati to be very successful in his personally just because of the respect I have for him. I just, I think that's one of the things I think we can all say. You, you, nobody stuck around in dust from start to finish. 
because it was such a killer game. We stuck around because of, the, like you said, sort of the theory crafting that you could build on what dust could be or what you could potentially do in dust. And I think that's the one thing that I'm trying to be very patient with is um, if you don't capture some of that in Nova, I think they're going to have a really, really hard time competing with an incredibly packed, you know, peer, like, you know, that's a very competitive market that they're trying to get into with outstanding games. And, and that was one of the things that kept Dust alive. As janky as that game was, it was the potential of the game and really the, the things you could do because of the depth, even if the systems weren't great, but you could do a lot in that game uh, mentally. You know, so I, I, that's what I, I really hope that they try to capture at some point. I think one of the most difficult things they're going to have, and, and I think Fulhammer kind of touched on this a little bit, talking about, you know, how do you market this thing to a broader audience? Because you can say, oh, we've got really deep customization. And I'm like, well, okay, every game says that. And and how do you express the dust level of customization to the market? I mean, yeah, you'll, you'll get the veterans. You, you'll probably get the EVE players to at least try it. But, you know, what's what's the hook that brings in new people? And I think that dust had, you know, hey, the EVE link. And it sounded really cool. It didn't work so well in practice, but it sounded awesome. It was a good way to pull people in. And even with what we've seen and what they're talking about, I'm, I'm a little concerned on what the hook is going to be to get new, new blood into the mix, you know? Uh, I, I think um, when it comes to uh, the hook, I, they're probably not going to be too worried about it initially right now in the alpha or even in the beta. I think that's more of a thing they're going to be working on towards launch to get that sort of draw in. But um Right now, like I was saying, I'm not too worried. Uh, it's it's something that I'm pretty sure they already have working on it right now. Uh, all, all the base systems, the rudimentary gameplay mechanics, we as we already see, they already have it down. Uh, like it, it functions fine as a game, so I'm honestly not too worried. You'll get a a, a great deal of cross pollination from people in Eve. I think that will um, more than fill up matches if that's what you're worried about, and then. Reaching critical mass is really going to come down to, um, hey guys, you remember that Planet Side 2 game? Oh yeah, I do. Remember how the time to kill was awful and no one likes it? Yeah, ours isn't. That's all you got to do. Yeah, I, th I think I agree. Like, I don't think we should really worry about getting a huge audience right now. If we have enough players to at least subsist to uh not be like anemic as like we were towards like uh the middle and end of dust that we should be fine and like basically go out the route of like a uh, warframe or um like rainbow six siege where it ends up like booming but i don't think we should worry about like trying to draw on this huge crowd because if we do that um by making it as accessible as possible at the beginning it's just going to compromise the game i think i got i got, i've got a I've got to ask, man, and I've heard that line of logic in a lot of other games. I've never seen it end well. Uh, like, you, you got it. There's a balance that has to be struck, I think. I mean, I, I'm not saying you should go one way or the other in terms of all the way to, like, the hardcore, extraordinarily small number of people that even know what dust is to, you know, you know make it super vanilla. But there's got to be a balance, I think, that you've got to strike. And I think it's a little dangerous to say, hey, let's not worry about, you know, being able to basically market the game to people outside of our, our existing customer base. That's that's kind of what you're saying. People have already played Eve or played Dust. So, I mean, it's got it's got to have some reach. 
Oh, oh, yeah, I do agree, and I know Ricky understands this. This is why when we saw the weapons we saw, when we saw the class that we saw, they're very, uh, like, generic. Even, like, said it, like, they were intentionally designed to be uh, generic to be more accessible, or all, all that stuff that added the flavor to the game that went made Dust so ha have so much variety is going to be one of those things that are, you have to work towards. So that way we, we have a base game that's very accessible, but the depth is there because what Dust didn't have was the accessibility, and I, I and I and I completely trust uh, Rattati uh, in being able to do that because he understand he understands from the like from the very beginning that accessibility is what allows the game to grow, but. Um, He's not also forgetting the depth that we had in Dust as well. Yeah, one of the um, earliest conversations uh, from right as Rattati joined the server was uh, short and sweet, and it was talking about um, kind of gating growth. Um, and he said it kind of starts out with you having access to this fitting, period. And the fitting is mostly unmodifiable, and then through play, you grow and you gain the ability to customize the fitting and make it your own. And then through continued usage, you eventually unlock the ability to put firm firmware in it, which is the ultimate customization because it, it starts changing the fundamental bonuses that the suit gets. So that tells me that he is aware of um, depth is fantastic, but you just can't, you know, like spike someone into the deep end of the pool and expect them to enjoy the game. You have to, uh, you know, put them in the shallows and let them wait out themselves. And that's that kind of progression growth is super encouraging to hear. Um, I think he's going to nail it, but it's it's going to be pitching that idea to people during the alpha that might be a little harder because they're all they're going to see initially is, um, you know, day one, I can't do what I do in Eve, which is like I could get a ship and mess with all the modules, which, by the way, uh, fun fact, something that was brought up recently in Eve is the idea of what are essentially apex ships with prefit modules you can't mess with but you can replace them with another module specifically for new people which is like a blatant ripoff of of, of apex suits and dust well it's kind of what drops that's going to be in nova is that they come pre-fit and you just kind of overwrite the the built-in stuff with better stuff and that's something they're adding to eve you said it's talk it was talked about during the last csm Oh, okay. It was pretty well received from what I understand. Everyone thought basically, you know, the current rookie ships that you get, um, they would come pre-fit with a standard array of modules and they could be overridden by something, but they come pre-fit. Whereas right now they just come with a um, one turret and one uh, mining laser or, or something like that. Yeah, it's really bad. Um, so, you know, that's obviously a, a layover from when new player experience in EVE was you know, just awful. Really bad. <laughs> really bad. <laughs> they've, they've been improving it, though, to be fair. Well, and I think Rattati's analogy was, was spot on. It's like you, someone gets their driver's license, they're eager to drive, you give them a car, except there's no wheels or a steering wheel or seats. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you got to install those yourself. It's a little ridiculous. It, the, the, the stuff you start off with should at least be functional. Um, and then you can, as you learn more, customize over time. But, like, the way that... I mean, so Dust had like the starter fits, um, which kind of sort of worked that way, but you didn't really use those. Um, but the Apex suits were, were definitely a good idea. And then you could tell that Rattani was kind of 
yeah. teasing with the idea of the apex of like, what's a fixed suit? How does that perform? And then, okay, let's try to customize it. Well, we can make that a base suit. I think it's a good idea. Um, and I think that the logic for why they're doing it in Nova is absolutely relevant to Eve as well. And I think a lot of people would, would, uh, would receive that well. I mean, Rattati has spoken that he tried Eve and he hated it because he kept buying stuff thinking like, okay, if I buy this like drone bay expander, I can fit drones, except the ship he had didn't have a drone bay because he didn't realize that you had, you know, it, it's his experience with Eve is what made him go, this is bullshit. We need to give people like an actual workable base before we expect them to learn how to play the game, you know? Um, so that's, that's good to see. No, I think it's, there's lots of lessons to be learned there. And I think that system in particular will help a lot with people. Cause I mean, you, you, we've all worked with, with newbies in, in dust and how painful it was to walk them through the fitting system to even put together a decent fit. It's like, just give them that from the start. Don't rely on the players to do it. You know? Uh, personally, I tried uh, doing a stint with uh, D-Uni uh, when I was like in between doing a faction war from PC. Um, trying to train these people is it's very uh, it was very I don't want to say it was difficult, but there was like a lot of material to cover, and there's not necessarily very like textbook ways on how to like explain a lot of this stuff. So uh, I, I do think this is like the way he's doing going around, uh, going about it is uh, very good. And I, I would like to like point out like one of the best games that I think does um, onboarding like the way we're saying is Dark Souls. Uh, if uh, for people who've played it, many people have um, like you start off at the very beginning of the game, like you're immediately given like uh like a starter set of items and uh it's easily explained to you this does this this does this this does this and you're given a place to practice and fail before getting thrust out into the world and i and i really hope that uh Rattati sort of emulates that when it comes to dust uh perhaps not like to the t but i do think uh, a couple notes could be taken from that game Okay, so kind of cycling back to uh, some of the information that was shared, what did you guys think of the keynote and some of the stuff he was talking about? I mean, they showed off some drop suits, um, some weapons, some attachments, some of the, the more racially uh, aligned weapons. What you what was your overall impression of all of that? I'm definitely glad the uh, Galante Commando is coming back. And I, I do like the aesthetic that they went with it because it fits the original description a little bit more. Instead of just being a recolor of the heavy frame, it looks like a lot like it's kind of like stripped down compared to the original version. Uh, so let's back. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. Um, I'm not sure how, how I feel about the Galante flamethrower though. I'll have to try it. It's a portable jet engine. What's not to like? I don't, I'm more like used to like traditional weapons. I don't know, just me me being a Galante purist. It, like I have a set idea of what Galante weapons are supposed to be. So like having this flamethrower kind of just like throws it a wrench in it. I don't know. It maybe end up being good, but I'll have to see. What'd you think, Ripley? I'm well. So I like that they have started to look beyond the four empires for suit inspiration, like the assault being, um, was it Mordu's, right? Yes. So that's pretty interesting and cool, uh, branching out like that. And uh, the, the weapon concepts that we saw all look cool. Um, I'm also kind of like the torch, it leaves me scratching my head a little bit, but it's thermal damage and it's CQC. So in my mind, that says, Galente, I just didn't expect a torch to do it. Um, one thing that like 
got you know my heart racing and got me thinking and theory crafting was that one screen where uh Rattati showed it said firmware and then it had like dozens of corporations around it and then of course he expressed that you know this is not available at launch or anything but that really made the mental connection for me and i hope more people experience it too saying you know okay you're right there's only six drop suits big deal look at how many firmware we're going to have access to that we can then use to customize those drop suits make them behave the way we want to all the different play styles that could emerge from here um and i'm not a huge rp lore guy but i'm also sitting here thinking there's a lot more uh lore that could be tapped in to if you talk about like firmware you're also expanding the options of like what do all these in what do all these corporations consider to be their infantry doctrine you know what uh, why would they have the bonuses they do and that just seemed really interesting to me and encouraging I mean, one one of the things he he said uh, when he was trying to, I, I think, mitigate some of the concern over the uh, what people would would probably perceive as the the lack of um, types of weapon weapons specifically that they were showing off. Is he's like, hey, it's more about the variations on weapon, uh, not so much how many different weapon types, but maybe how many different variants of a weapon. Which I and I, I actually think that's a really good call on their part. You know. Con- you know, and that's not a bad way to look at it. So if you take like an, the standard auto rifle, you know, an automatic rifle of whatever flavor stripe, you know, you could come up with any numerous types of variants of that that gives you different, you know, capabilities or, or play styles. And I think that's probably a smart move because what, what the overall field, at least that I get, he's trying to do a lot less, but do it a lot better is just the general tone of what it sounds like he's doing. Um, which, you know, like I said, that's very much the, the polar opposite of Dust 514, frankly. Uh, you know, and I kind of like where he's going with that, at least certainly initially. So if you have like a deep pool of grenade launchers, a deep pool of sidearms, deep pool of auto rifles, you maybe you don't need to get into a lot of the more esoteric stuff yet. You add those after you have a good pool of capabilities and you know really where you want that new addition weapon to you know to kind of fit and that sort of goes along with what ripley you were saying with the number of potential you know variants i kind of view it almost like uh, borderlands where each yes. corporation had an archetype you know in terms of that like hey they build fast firing weapons that don't hit real hard but are you know, really relatively precise you know you, and you can kind of you can kind of pick through a style that a different or a motif that a different corporation has I, and as as opposed to more racial themes, more corporation themes. And actually, I think that would be a better change, frankly, because I, I think having the four racial archetypes that we had in Dust, I think in some ways they tried to follow the, the EVE model too close in that regard. And to be honest with you, it, it, it really challenged me in terms of it shit just didn't make sense. Like I, I really didn't like uh, I enjoyed playing the, the rail rifle, for example. But the theory that you'd have a spool up time on like a you know like a basic infantry weapon was kind of asinine because you know it, it just didn't work doesn't really really work real well in a practical sense in a shooter even if you try to precharge and all this other shit. So I kind of like the idea of like give me like ten different corporations that have variations on the rifle, you know, that works well. Well, I think the NPC corporations are making firmware which are used in the suits now. What you're probably getting into is uh, attachment variation, which is definitely a thing. And um, I like weapon attachments, 
I'll be honest, I have a really bad taste in my mouth about them right now because uh, in my spare time, Encore has been playing Planetside 2. And um, the weapon attachments in Planetside 2 leave much to be desired. It's like uh, scopes. That This one's three times zoom. This one's 3.2. Oh my goodness. Like it, that kind of, that's not variation to me. You just came up with another um, item that I have to grind for an hour to unlock. That doesn't feel useless. Doesn't make me feel good when I unlock something like that. Um, but I will say this, your idea about the corporations uh, from Borderlands and how they're known for certain things, you know, Jacobs is incredibly high damage, lower rate of fire, lower clip size, for example. Um, that kind of um, logic applying to drop suits, like this firmware is for, I don't know, fill in the blank corporation. They're known for uh, higher shield capacity bonus, lower shield recharge rate, uh, faster move speed bonus or something. And you now know that you like that corporation's play style and you can plug it into other suits and, and make it your own. Um, but putting a different spin on this and looking at it from a different perspective, is um, from a resource standpoint, I bet making firmware for suits from a CCP perspective, again, is much less time intensive and requires less of the team so they can make more of them quicker and give us more ways to customize it rather than, you know, dust view of, of everything was we need a new suit. Yeah, no, you're 100% accurate. I, I like the idea of like a, like a suit, like a given suit or frame, if you will, has a core, unique core thing that it does or allows you to do or, or enable or you know, give some enabling factor, but it's all that variation. And actually, you know what we're really describing? This, this really reminds me of like Armored Core, um, that'll, that kind of mech combat game that I think they're up to like Armored Core 5 or something like that. But that, that was what I tried to jump to uh, when Dust 514 kind of shut down, you know, messing around with that because it was the closest thing out there to how Dust sort of had those mechanics in it or those, that depth and kind of what you're framing it. That's very similar to sort of how armored core did it for at least for the, for two or three of their iterations. Something that was in that keynote that um, just completely confounded me. Cause you know, the keynote was going on and Arkina and I are, are watching the in core chat or the uh, uh, project Nova chat to make sure no one does anything or says anything stupid. And the topic came up about um like asset loss or something and instead of you know it, it's the whole risk and reward insurance conversation that pokey has already done a video on go watch it if you haven't and it explains it in a very high level so someone was like uh, the, the topic i brought up about restocking modules and i think it was chinza that was like oh that was my favorite part of dust unironically unsarcastically and i reflected to myself restocking like a dozen modules to two or 300 stock between matches was fun to a select group of people. And my mind just, just could not fathom why this seems like one of the best quality of life changes in Nova is this idea of um, the insurance system and no longer having to restock individual modules. Yeah, I, I do agree. Um, the, the restocking system was it wasn't bad, it's just at times it felt like a bit of a chore, especially when you have one item that goes on multiple different suits. Like, uh, going back to me saying I was Glante Pierce, I use armor repairers a lot. So, 
when I have different amounts of suits, I say I use the assault frame a lot more than I use, say, the uh, commando. But if I use, if I happen to be using commandos and I lose those frames, that means I have less armor repairs for the assault frames. And so it, it became a, a stocking issue. And so um, I, I do think that it's better uh, this way because it was it was just an, uh, a chore. It wasn't it wasn't entirely like super duper frustrating. It was just something that got in the way sometimes. This was an example of someone way back in Dust's infancy going, "Well, this is how Eve does it." So, and then just transplanting that right into Dust, and that was a terrible idea. It never needed to be that way. Um, just took hours of our time. I think that's probably largely a carryover from Eve of the, you have to buy individual, you have to put them together. It's just in Eve, you're not dying, you know, 20 times, you know, an hour. So it's, it's a little different, you know? So I think that this is a much more reasonable given the state of how the game is going to actually run and the type of game it is. It makes so much more sense. Like the, the whole running out of a fit mid fight was obnoxious. It was terrible. And like Fullhammer was saying, you'd have like shared modules on different different suits, and you'd be, you know, usually restocking all just everything on the suit, and then you'd end up with like nine hundred of something because you know you were restocking all to replace like two or three modules that were shared, and then you'd have extra. It was a total mess. It was terrible. Have you ever accidentally restocked and then used some of your arm? That was a good time. Uh, it didn't buy a whole lot of orum in dust but uh yeah no that that's always fun it's like oh i don't really need those and there's no way to get it back now fantastic see i, I always yeah, avoided I, that by just using orum to buy skins yeah i think this is this is probably a really good example of you know rotati being pretty smart and actually you know a pretty pre-seasoned you know fps gamer he, he makes no bones about that and he's he's got some games that he's gravitated to over the years and I, and honestly, I think we're seeing a lot of that that DNA in terms of how he's he views what he wants to do with Nova. Um, but Pokey hit the nail on the head. When you're dying twenty, you know, maybe, you know, depending on how good you are, anywhere between zero and twenty times in a single match that takes place over fifteen or twenty minutes, you know, that's a vastly different mechanic that you need to build than what you saw in Eve. So the idea of kind of going to more of the let me unlock this and get a quote unquote blueprint, aka Call of Duty Unlock, you know, that that is probably, I, I don't know of a lot of other ways you can do that. Now, I think he kind of indicated that for certain types of, of either weapons or gear that it would be, um, you know, fungible. It would be, you know, you had to buy so many sets of this either officer or elite material or, or gear. That, at least that's, I think that's what he says. Does that sound about right, Pokey? Yeah, he was, he was bouncing around a little bit just throughout the last couple of years and exactly how that's all going to work. But he was talking about officer gear um, in the round table a little bit. And I, I can't, I imagine that's not like unlimited, like that would just break everything. So I imagine there are some things that you can use that are, you know, going to be consumable that would normally not be like the drop suit and the weapon. Um, you could have upgraded versions of that, that you're using. I think the key takeaway is that you're, instead of spending per death, you're kind of spending it before the match even starts. So you can't deploy with it unless you have one. And then you're not having to worry about, you know, keeping it up or having enough. Um, and then that's, that's really the big thing is just that single loss per match um, really streamlines a lot of that stuff. I think it was firmware that he was saying is per match. Uh, I could be wrong. Or is it per death? Uh, anyway, always per yeah. death. Individual items are per match. 
No, I I think he was saying for because in previous conversations he had talked about firmware being a consumable that was once per match, but then at the keynote he was talking about how you slot it into your class and it's it stays in that that blueprint of the frame until you take it out. Um, so let's say you want to swap to a different firmware, that first one is destroyed, um, which is definitely different than what he's discussed in the past. Um, I think I like that more though. It, it treats it more like a subclass rather than. Um, it, uh, we'll, we'll use Destiny as an easy example because it's, it's relevant right now. You've got like your three main classes, and then you you've got three subclasses within that, and you select the one. It would just kind of be like if you want to change, you got to consume it. That's fine. Um, the, the the direction I think they might be going with that because he was kind of talking about like, well, you don't have to have a single suit of like a class. So kind of let me break down my my thoughts. This isn't confirmed. This is just kind of my interpretation of all the things he's talking about. Is let's say I've got like my assault suit. And I level it up and I put like, you know, firmware A in it. Um, I can take firmware A out of the assault suit, destroy that firmware, whatever cost it is to get that, and put firmware B in there. Or I can buy a second assault suit blueprint. I have to level it all up again. So it's like a separate entity. But then I can put firmware B in, in that second suit, keep firmware A in the first one. That way I can have two assault suits that I can have different firmware and swap between without having that cost of actually switching them out every time. But it's that added grind of having to level up or upgrade that second blueprint um, to do that. It reminds me a little bit of in Warframe, getting, yes. a, getting a frame up to 30 and then there's some kind of, I don't remember the terminology, but it you could potentially have multiple frames that have different purposes, but they're the same frame that that's kind of the direction i i feel like it's going again that's not confirmed but that's kind of my read on what he was talking about like the it's because otherwise you know if firmware was easy to get you wouldn't care um but he was talking about how you like build these decks of suits obviously you're going to probably have more than six suits you know one of each so i imagine you have multiples of the same class that are maybe slotted with different firmware um and that gives you kind of that long-term grind of like, yeah, you could easily swap it out just to try it out. But if you want to have multiples and you want that flexibility, you know, for mid-match, um, it's going to be that extra extra grind path to get there. And I, I think that's fairly reasonable because the firmware allows you to kind of try things out without much cost. But, you know, the, the end game when you, you want all of them, you know, you always have that goal to work towards of there's a dozen firmware for the suit. Well, I could technically level up 12 different assault suits to have one of each firmware if I really wanted to. So uh, Jay and I talked quite a bit about the information that was shared at the roundtable. Um, was there anything in that that kind of struck you guys as interesting or concerning? Um, I just like that it was formalized that the first mistake Dust made was being on a console. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, do, I have to agree. Um, I mean, I don't mind consoles, but the, the problem with them at least in regards to uh dust and the eve universe is uh consoles have a limited lifespan so e even if performance wise it's always able to hold up uh like it's not going to be able to keep up with the longevity that say eve has where it's been going on for 15 years it's just not going to happen um I'm trying to remember because that that round table wasn't as formalized as the keynote or anything um nothing really stood out except um hmm, i guess the expectation for there being an eve link wasn't that brought up at the round table pokey 
I think it was it was brought up. I mean, the the idea for it was brought up at uh, at the keynote, but then it was kind of elaborated on a little bit at the at the roundtable as well. It was it was kind of interesting seeing in the crowd with that when he was talking about how it wasn't um, it wasn't going to be like real time interaction like we had in Dust with you know orbitals and that sort of thing. And I, I totally agree with that. I think that was it was always difficult to link games that work in a very different time cycle together. Um, but the more indirect stuff like you know you do something on a citadel and it pushes the reinforcement timer up or down a minute I, or an hour. I really love that concept. Um, it just like. You know, because you can you can set that window. Basically, you set you set that window in Eve for your ideal time of play, and sure, you can you can assume you know if this is if that was ever a thing in the future that you would uh, make sure that you were setting it at a time you'd be available before or after in case that happened. But like, you know, maybe you move it an hour earlier, and your FC was on the way home but got stuck in traffic, and you know whatever and you could just you could just screw with the enemy team that way rather than take away gameplay yeah um i, I understand like the the problem they have with leaking the games uh like on tranquility and having the downtime and all that but uh going back to what i was saying earlier about um those was going back to ground battles and the original trailer for dust is um regarding citadels um, I do now more that I was saying now more than other thing that we can do something like that because if we were to bring back you know uh, skirmish 1.0 from dust um, and bring uh, putting in skyfire batteries like what they were sh- showing in the in the trailer where just the, for those who don't know who haven't seen it it's basically a giant reverse Death Star laser but instead of shooting at a planet it shoots from the planet up and basically it works as like a like a defense system for um, citadels. But if like an enemy were to capture it, they can use it against a citadel. So it's like a, it's like a free super or, or a free uh, doomsday. You don't have to use a titan for or whatever. And so I, I do I do think uh, eventually we should push a source or something like that. But like the um, the server downtimes and things like that do make it difficult. So I, I do try to like measure uh, meter off my expectations and leave it to more uh, simpler things like in, just boarding the citadels and whatnot. I think there's that's one of the things that uh, that kind of struck me. I, I actually like the idea. Again, do less but do better. There's there's a lot of merit to I think what they're trying to do with that. Um, and, and much like Zell said, I think there's there's actually a lot of ways that you could interact with the Eve universe. Uh, in, in all fairness, there I think they're very gun shy of wanting to do that. Uh, you know, even if they they thought technologically they could, or and and, and again, as rough as it was you know, in a very thin way, you know, like you had a PS3 game talking to an Eve, talking to Eve in some way. Um, they've probably learned an incredible amount of lessons on how to do that if they chose, but I think they're, they're probably playing it smart now. Uh, but at some point let's, you know, I, I let's assume they're very successful. They're successful. They got a, a solid launch and it's off to the races. It won't be but a hot minute before a lot of people start asking that question. So I, my assumption is they're, at least whiteboarding out how they would want to link these things together. Well, and I think, I don't think you'll see a lot of like, the thing is like your, your skyfire battery type of thing. What then you get is you get the, the impression that someone has, and this was something that, that came from dust is people would say, you know, Hey, I've got, you know, I've got my Titan that was worth this much and took this much effort for my, you know, like, Alliance has been like I don't know is it is it a weeks or is it like a month building a Titan it's like I don't months, it's three months um okay yeah, it's, a it's long nice. time but and then you go 
you know, hey, should should someone sitting on the ground be able to like, you know, playing like their little FPS game, um, be able to, you know, nuke our, our three month project here? Um, and, and then the answer is kind of like, um, no. And, and to the same degree, there was always that thing that people would get kind of ticked at that, you know, maybe they're they're good FPS players. And then all of a sudden they can't compete with the fact that, you know, it just, the other team happens to have Eve ships available, you know, that can that can fire down more often or better or whatever. And so I think that there is a reasonable a reasonable statement to be made that there's that if you're if you have one game able to really either take it like take stuff away from the other game or or harm the other game significantly um that can cause bad feelings for people who can't you know they're like why is this other game able to mess with my cred i i i think that they're they're probably right in that they should approach it in a more subtle sense and if you're you know moving timers or you know trading cosmetics or something like that and and then you can you know maybe maybe you're gonna have this you know where the eve community wildly approves of of what nova becomes and wants it to be more integrated but there's there's definitely reasons to be more limited in how it's done yeah there's a conversation that happened in Incore once that was like what if you were playing civ 5 and someone in minecraft blew something up and one of your cities exploded and how annoying that would feel because you how, how was i supposed to stop that and it would generate a lot of negativity this asynchronous idea where like we do a thing and it indirectly causes this thing to happen in eve and then of course the economic link it's a whole lot less likely to generate uh sour feelings between the two games and between those two games by the way if they're going to if ccp is going to listen to someone it's going to be their golden calf so let's not piss off people in eve for the long longevity of Nova, let's let's try to get along and figure out a way for something to be fun in both games. You know, get along so we can agree and, to not get along. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the other thing is, is the uh, the experience in in Eve of like orbital bomb- bombardment was was terrible. Like, oh yeah. Let, let me let me hurry up to sit around and wait while things happened in another game for 30 minutes and I just have to push the button when it lets me. Well, you know, I, I will say this, like the, uh, as far as the game games directly involving with each other, if they could have figured out a little bit better mechanic for on the Eve side for the orbitals, that's actually pretty cool. And, and frankly, on the small scale, it's, a, it's not a bad way to get into like some, some small fights and ganks. I mean, there, there's a lot of, there are some problems with it clearly, but there, you know, that is probably about the extent of direct intervention that you would want. Uh, but, uh, but it, that was, you know, had the potential to be pretty fun if you, if you wanted it to be, or if you, depending on how you wanted to manipulate it. But I, I think we're all generally in agreement that touching each other's game is probably, frankly, probably pretty good if it's done in the appropriate way, as they say. Um, and, and like I said, I actually like the idea that they're holding off on that a little bit make sure that they have the have a, a good clean technological way to do it and then they have a well thought out process that um, that intervenes you know or that that sort of governs how it goes and, and I think they probably learned a lot of good lessons and overall uh, I, I kind of like the idea that he said let's just take it slow 
Now, what I, what I do like is the fact that they're backing away from the very hard line of, no, we will never let these games touch. Was, at one point, that's what they were saying. Uh, so I think, that's, I think that's actually okay. No, the, the very first thing that Rattati said about linking the games was thematic and economic. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back even further and tell you that, that that as dust was closing, he and I had a conversation. It was he was pretty much not on that scale even there. He said thematic at best because it happens in the Eve universe. Period. The end. Uh, and that was probably just in his coming off of dust phase. I mean, I, I think they probably came to the realization that while it's easy to to take that stance, that in the end, if you are someone playing a game in the new Eden world, you, you want to touch the other stuff. You know, I think Eve players, it's always like, okay, but what about the Eve link? Like that's always the thing they go back to. It's like, cool, the gameplay is great. But what about the Eve link? I, I don't think they were going to ever get away from that expectation. So it was more of a, okay, well, what, what can we do that's going to actually work? And I, I think kind of what they're looking at is, is much more reasonable, like thematic, cool, easy. You know, you can, you can do a lot of stuff there. Economic, um, some of the stuff he was talking about how you can kind of do, resource trading um to get special cosmetics or whatever easy um i don't think they'll ever like open up the floodgates of hey you can transfer your eve isk to to nova yeah, i think that horrible. would be a shit show yeah. yeah um as much as people some people would love that it would be awful and they should never do that um but i think the even the some of the stuff i was surprised that they were talking about more direct stuff at the keynote to be honest i thought they would kind of stick to just those two that that ripley said you know the the economic and the, the thematic but the fact they went to actually gameplay was surprising but good um and i think that they, they were probably looking at some of the lessons learned from dust and i think that the, the one eve link that that worked it, it, it could have worked a hell of a lot better if they had put you know, better mechanics behind it was probably how faction warfare performed and that it was it wasn't really real time i mean it was but it was i did something in this game and it helped push the needle a little bit further in another game um if they'd given us tools like you could actually target specific systems and that sort of thing i think you'd actually see some pretty cool um you know strategic pushes between the two games to, to make things happen that, that didn't happen obviously but i think the idea of i can at least interfere but maybe not directly interact with the other game is a really good stance to take um and some of the stuff they're talking about like with the citadel timers um it's kind of the same thing like i'm not you know triggering something at that very second that's going to cause something to blow up necessarily but what i do in this fight is going to have you know a noticeable effect in a different game Maybe down the line, it might be in five minutes, it might be in a week, you know, who knows, but at least it gives that sense of my win or my loss here actually meant something in the grand scheme of things. And seeing the influence from the other side, um, I think it drives kind of that like, hey, let's coordinate, let's let's group up, let's try to make this work better for our mutual goals. And that's kind of ultimately what drives a lot of stuff in these games is, is that strategic, large-scale planning. And, and I think if they give the right tools and they're having them interact in ways that are much more reasonable, it's going to work really well, you know? Yeah, like, I would like to see, um, like, if we're going to go like, that route, um, one of the most memorable things for me, out of all my time, my tens of thousand dollars playing uh, Dust, was the Battle of Kaldari Prime. Everybody who was there, I think they also remember because of how, like, big that was within the, uh, within the New Eden universe. Uh, like two, the two games actually connected in, in a more meaningful manner that actually has a permanent effect on the lore of the world, and I would like to see more of that. 
when we do start to push that uh, link to continue to do games. And I even think that if we were to do stuff like that, you can do like PVE events where you can actually go go ahead and actually do that hard link where um, even if it's as rudimentary as going back to performing the orbital bombardments, it's done in a PVE environment. So um, it's like the players in dust aren't being like screwed over by capsuleers and um it, it could be like an economic link by by saying by helping the uh mercenaries on the ground you get like something that you wouldn't normally be able to get uh, in eve like like a skin or something like that or blueprints or like bpos and whatnot and i i do think if we do more events like that it would be do a lot to uh promote the link and like a lot of the um easing a lot of the i don't want to say like the tensions but the resentment that um like a lot of the players between the two games have and if we do that i, I do think we'd be able to do more uh later on down the line i think you just hit, hit on something that, that is uh is pretty clutch that not a lot of people talk about it uh, most people center around the eve link is a, a really a technical thing as a gameplay piece but what you said actually I, I like i like the idea of things that you do in Nova versus things you do in Eve, they affect the shared story of the universe and the lore. And I think that's a, again, that's one of those very acceptable kind of middle ground pieces that, that you could explore a lot. And it gives a lot of freedom to both games. And, and frankly, it probably gives a lot more freedom to Nova than it does. It doesn't matter as much quite, you know, quite so much on the Eve side. But for the Nova piece, that, that's actually one of the things that I, I really wish that I would hear more about. Um, it's a little bit of what Ripley you were talking about with depth. Like that was like more like character or, or, you know, the mechanical depth of it, but like the persistence and like, what, what do you do that matters? And, and I, I've not heard a lot about that. Um, now, again, my assumption is they probably got a whiteboard somewhere with a lot of ideas, but that's, that again was one of those big things that attracted at least me personally to dust was the idea that what I'm doing matters and, and that there's a persistence to it either from a personal standpoint or to like in a, in a gameplay or universe standpoint. And, and I really hope that, that they've got some plans to do that. I know they're not, they're not, there's no real analogy to faction warfare. At least that's the way Rutati kind of described it. Uh, he said, basically every match is faction warfare. And it, it, it he, I think he just did, didn't, didn't seem like he did a really good job of explaining what the level of persistence is in the game that he envisions, not what's in it right now, but, what does he envision? And if you guys can shed some light on that, I'd be be very glad to hear it because I can't figure it out from just listening to him. Well, that's that's pretty common. Um, <laughs> I, I think you know his his whole thing is he didn't like the whole that there was like three that there was like three different kind of game modes in Dust. You had like your pub matches, which had you know zero persistence whatsoever. They were just you know you were fighting for corporations, but nothing mattered. It was just to get your isk at the end. You're done. And then there was of course fact. Back warfare, where you were fighting, gaining standings, getting loyalty points, spending it on exclusive stuff, um, with the added benefit of you know, like I said, pushing the the needle on the eve side for fact war, you know, in in a particular direction, and then of course uh, planetary conquest, which was player driven um, conflict. The way he's described it as there should be a mode for player driven content um, and NPC driven content. So there's not going to be necessarily dust style pubs where you know you just go in and that's it there's really no meaning behind it 
it sounds like that's kind of going away in that your your pub match is your standard match as you go in you're fighting for a corporation and if you win or whatever you get standing with that corporation and you lose standing against um the other corporation so you, you're, you're playing the standings game and building up your your standing to you know unlock exclusive weapons firmware that sort of thing um and then you know doing that 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 sort of thing now i don't know if you know there's going to be necessarily a map so to speak where corporations are actually like you know winning control like that kind of level of faction warfare but he does want it to be where you're, you're actually you know gaining something from it there's an overall goal to go towards not just grinding isk all day long that that that's gone it's going to be pretty much you're doing quote-unquote fact war or you're doing whatever planetary conquest will be called you know in the future does that make any more sense uh Kind of, uh, but again, that sounds nothing like what, what any of the words that came out of his mouth sound like. Well, yeah, like I said, that's, that's normal. <laughs> no, no, but he, and, and here's, the, here's kind of the danger of, of all of this. And this, again, this is JTAG. And, um, there's a lot of people interpolating what they think they saw with Nova or what they think Rapati said or meant because, hey, I chatted with him or I, or I talked to him or this is what he said at EVE or at E Vegas or, or even in Iceland. The reality is none of us really know yet. I mean, that's that's straight up. Like, none of us actually know. Um, and I think that's that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a, you know, I, I want to reserve judgment on it. Um, you know, just because I can't, I can't really tell what their plans are because they don't communicate well. And when you rely on other people that are not official, you know, even like Pokey's one of my best friends, but if I, if I relied only on that for him to tell me what he thinks that they're saying, you know, that's, you know, that's just not good enough, you know, as from a customer standpoint. And, and I kind of, you know, I kind of took the view on Wednesday when we we're talking about this, how do I view all of this is if I did not know dust, if I did, if I didn't understand it, and I was some, somebody coming in sideways trying to get uh, educated or introduced to this new game coming out, what would I think of all of it? And that's kind of one of the problems I think they have, which is not uncommon for game companies. They don't really communicate well, uh, at least not in this instance. There's a huge advantage, though. Um, everything that we've seen so far is anchored to the title Project Nova. Um, so when they get in the, the game in a sufficient state to show rather than tell, um, and they can give it an official name and essentially wipe away all of the confusion and nonsense that uh, people had whenever they looked at Project Nova for the first time. And all of the super in-depth, super accurate reviews that have been coming out of uh, some of the gaming, uh, you can't see it, but I'm doing finger quotes, journalists. Oh, God. No, I, I, and Jay, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. I think that, uh, you know, communicating his ideas is absolutely not Rattati's strong suit, and he's even admitted he's terrible at it. Um, luckily, they have hired a community manager whose job is actually to you know, interpret what the hell he's saying um, and relay it in a way that's actually understandable to, you know, mere mortals, the player base. Um, unfortunately, he just started, so he's not really there yet, but he did actually go into uh, the Q&A section of the Dust Veterans Discord. Um, this is CCP Dopamine. And, like, grabbed, like, a huge chunk of questions, went back to the office, got answers, came back, and actually gave some really, really solid, clear answers and a lot of stuff. So, you know, like I said, I, I totally feel you on wanting to hold back because the way that 
Rattati explains stuff is often extremely confusing and you absolutely shouldn't rely on other people's interpretation because they could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, who the hell knows? Um, but hopefully things are going in a direction where they're going to be a little more improved now that they have someone whose job is to interact with the community and hopefully translate, you know, Rattati into, you know, player speak. Uh, I mean, I think that's a fair point. Listen, it's, uh, I, I was kind of, you know, circling back persistence, you know, just the, the idea of like, do my actions or choices matter somewhere in the game universe? I really hope they explain that in a little bit better terms. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, he may not have plans on that, certainly not initially, kind of like the Evil Link. He, there may not, that may be one of those, maybe this is iteration two, like nine months after the game launches and all of those well kind of things. Um, but, but again, if I'm coming into it from a, from a new player standpoint in a very crowded market, um, I'm kind of inter- I'm trying to figure out why would I want to play this game versus any of the other number of games that'll be out in the next couple of years, uh, and that's that's sort of where I'm at it. You know, just from a raw customer standpoint. So on the subject of crowded markets, uh, as far as free to play shooters, we've got Team Fortress Two, Planet Side Two. Uh, I'm going to call uh, Warframe a shooter, but it's Technically third person, but that's okay. Warface. There's also Iron Sight, which is like Korean Call of Duty. Okay. Well, now again, this is all like you're you're taking a snapshot right now, and which is fine. But frankly, I don't care whether this game is free to play or not. If it's good, I like to me, money is not like whether I was going to pay sixty bucks for it or pay zero dollars for it with microtransactions. It's if a game's good enough, people shell out money for it, right? I mean, we, sure. You know, but I'm talking about what I'm getting at. Yeah, but what I'm getting at is um, direct competitors, market space. Yeah, and if there's, I'll be honest with you. We can say it's free. It is free to play. You're correct. You, it, you can download a game and you can play it for free. Uh, but it's really the money they make after you download it. That's why I like. I'll be honest with you. I if he's going for just the pure, this is a free to play game. He's gonna have to be better than shit like World of Tanks, which is not a direct competitor, but a lot of Eve players. That's what they're all tabbing to. For example. Is this going to be better than that? Hopefully, you know. I mean, that's that's just a reality. Um, there's a, there's games out there that it's when you're it's really when you're picking how much where you're going to spend your time. To me, whether it's free to play or it's fifty or sixty bucks a copy, it's it that's a less interesting question. It's like what is going to make me spend time in this game right now? I mean, I, I'm pretty interested in it because mostly of the people that that are involved in the the kernel of the community that will come over. Which I've known since Mag, and I've known since Dust Five One Four, and frankly, that that's the core of most of the people I play online with in some way, fashion, or form came from those groups. Um, that's what really attracts me to this is that that's where a lot of people I know they they're interested in playing this game. Uh, if if I'm just looking at it from a like I said customer standpoint, where am I going to spend my time? That's why I want this game to be good because I know I'm going to play it. Like, don't don't get me wrong, I know I'm going to play the game because my friends play the game. Uh, but I also want the game to be good. And, and to that point, Jay, they, they talked about it like very briefly in the keynote where they're saying that like, you know, the first year after launch is really or launch or early access, whatever the hell they want to call it. When it goes to market where it's publicly available in one form or another, they want to spend that first year adding meaning to the game. So I, I'm guessing that, you know, throughout the alpha beta, whatever, it's going to be a lot of just, do the game modes work well? Do we have it balanced? Does it feel good? Is all the content in there cool? Okay, we, we launch it. We're good to go. Um, and then it's going to be you know a year before they really get 
not a year before, but they're going to work on for that year, adding more of that ongoing meaning to what's going on. So chances are the core market they're probably shooting for is honestly dust vets for like that first year. Because they know, like you said, you're going to play it because your buddies from dust are going to be playing in there. They're probably very acutely aware of that. Um, and that kind of buys them time to get that more interesting meaning that hook into the game so they can go, okay, let's reach outwards now and, and try to get people who aren't, you know, veterans of the series. So yeah, it, it's probably not going to be a launch is my guess, just kind of the way they're talking about it. But obviously it's on the radar. When they say we want to take that first year to add meaning to the game, that's what I'm expecting their plan is. I, you know, I, and I think that's, that's acceptable, uh, you know, for the most part, I just don't want them to play the, you know, do the steam, the steam game of, you know, shit's been in early access for like 18 months, you know, that kind of thing. Oh yeah. Uh, hopefully we don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I think Rattati is way too smart. And frankly, everything he talked about in that round table and a lot of the key in parts of the keynote that like, and I, I kind of talked to Pokey about this. So I had a conversation with Rattati right as dust was ending or is he right before, or I think it was right before dust actually officially ended. Um, and that was even actually a little bit, even before that. And almost every one of the points that he laid out about, here's the type of games I like, and here's what I want to make. It, he, he said almost literally the exact same words, you know, fast forward a couple years in, in that round table. So that actually, I think is a good thing because that means he's focused and he's very disciplined and he knows what he wants. Um, but at the end of the day, that, that also doesn't mean he's making a game that I might personally enjoy because that's just player preference. It's not, you know, some people like turn-based strategy games. Some people like shooters. It's, it is what it is. Um, but the fact that he is very focused and I think has a very coalesced vision about the type of games, at least that he likes, and that's what he's trying to make. I actually think that's a good thing for the game because that means he's probably going to deliver and then it'll be up to the individual customer to figure out, is this a game that I want to spend time and money in? Quick aside about early access, um, because just been researching it. Um, the average amount of time that an early access success story, because I mean, there's failures out there. We know that, but a success story like your, your paladins and your subnautica's and your Osiris new dawns is two years. I mean, but is, I guess is that the space you think that they're comfortable operating in? I mean, because I, I mean, that's that's what I'm trying to figure out is like where where are they targeting this to? Is it something that comes out and it's polished, you know, at launch, at actual not beta but actual launch, and they're ready to go, and it is a it's designed to compete in the marketplace, or are they looking for man? And maybe they maybe they are comfortable with a much more initial small smaller marketplace of like, hey, we just want to make sure that the the Eve players and some of those Dust players are on board. And then we'll grow from there. Well, I, I did hear him when he was saying that um, they were a little bit more interested in emulating the way Eve started, where it was a small player race, and then they added on from there and to grow to what it is today. They, I think what the problem with Dust was is that they wanted to be where Eve was when Dust came out, and it ended up ultimately being, being its downfall. If um, they start off the way Eve started, I... I do genuinely believe that um, what they're saying is accurate and like it will end up growing because they'll have that time to uh, build upon the features to actually make a solid game come the time when they actually want to expand and uh, get in all those players. No, and, and like I said, if, if that's the strategy, I mean, you know, hey, as long as they're, as long as they've got a plan and they're, and they're sticking to it and it's realistic, you know, I, like, hey, more power to them. You know, 
there's always risk and reward in, in either one of the either way that you want to launch a game. Yeah, I think it'll be certainly interesting to see how they roll all of this out. I mean, they've been very noncommittal with talking about how the game is going to be paid, if it's free or not, you know, what the exact timeline is for alpha, beta, early access. I mean, all we know at this point is that alpha starts sometime in November. Chances are, my guess is latter half, um, since they, they got to get stuff ready, obviously. But uh, yeah, I'll be curious to see how it develops, you know. Um, I'm, I mean, so for example, I played. Fortnite, not Battle Royale, but Fortnite for quite a while, um, and they were in quote-unquote early access for, you know, they're still in early access technically, um, despite selling actual physical copies of the game uh, in stores, but, um, you know, it, it depends on what word you want to assign to it, you know, what counts as release, what counts as early access. Um, I, I'm more concerned with what's the state of the game, you know, at X point in time, you know, oh, what, yeah. they can call whatever they want, I, I don't really care. I mean, people always argue, what is release? Is it when you say it's release, or is it when the alpha starts? Is it when the beta starts? Is it when the you know people get the demo? What counts as release anymore? Yeah, you know, I it's... think that matters a lot less nowadays than it used to. Uh, in all in all honesty, just that and the fact that you're you're we're definitely stepped away from game. You know, because now you can you actually get updates. You can get updates and patches on games like constantly. You know, whereas you know not too many years ago that was certainly not a thing. So I. I I agree. That's definitely you know, very malleable. You, you said something real quick that caught my ear. That, I thought they did confirm that this was intended to be free to play, though, right? No, they they asked oh, they that, have. and they they have they they are so noncommittal, which is very weird. Um, I, I've I've always maintained that I think it makes the most sense for them to do you know free to play. I don't feel like you can have a long term game without microtransactions, you know, like dust wouldn't have survived as long as it did without microtransactions to kind of keep the thing rolling. Right. And, and most long cycle games are like that. So it's like, yeah, you, you could charge for it, but you're still probably going to have the microtransactions and in a market like this. You might as well just make it free to play. You know, um, if you want to do like a $20 early access, like they did for, for the dust beta, fine, whatever. But like, I think when you, you quote unquote launch it, it makes sense to be free, but no, they have not actually confirmed that verbatim yet. Contemporary early access games are usually um, the average fee is $30. And doing so does usually net you something in return. Let's use Fortnite as an example. When you buy Save the World right now, because it is still technically an early access, you get some founders rewards that will eventually never be available again once the game goes live. When it goes live, it'll be free to play, but because you bought in early, you get a collection of items and cosmetics and stuff that no one will ever have because they are not founders like you. Yeah, no, and I think that, you know, that model to me makes sense. And one of the things that I, I you know, it wouldn't surprise me is if they went with a, uh, a free-to-play optional subscription or premium subscription model, you know, for any number of different things. I mean, there, there's probably some ways, that I, I guarantee you that they've, they're, they're Somebody in the CCP business department is thinking that shit through, um, but that's that is something that that I think you know. My assumption is I actually assume, I just assumed it was going to be free to play. I'd never thought of me that it that it wasn't going to be free to play, and that there'd be a fairly deep uh, s set of microtransaction activities that you could you could go forward with. I, di I didn't realize I hadn't confirmed that one way or the other. Yeah, and and my guess is is that they they might be doing some early access paid thing and they don't want to say, yeah, it's free to play, but you got to pay if you want to play right now. Um, it kind of sends a bad message, I think. So they, they might be 
remain non-committal until they're actually ready to roll out, like Ripley said, some founders access sort of deal that is paid um, to get in early and then ultimately it will be free. I mean, Fortnite is, is exactly the same way. They say they said, okay, you can play now, it's 40 bucks for early access, but we'll give you whatever stuff for you know your founders pack, but it will be free whenever we go to launch in a year and a half or whatever. Um, I, I I think that's fine. I have no issue with that. Um, I like, I'm a sucker for that sort of stuff, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, uh, but I, I, imagine I, don't th- it I think be- all of us have spent money on something of that nature in some game here or there. Yeah. Oh, one of the things like I think that we'd like to add um, that we should pay attention to is um, regarding like free-to-play games, um, a lot of the problems that people have, or not just people, but like developers specifically have with getting games to take off and, um, and stay successful is player retention. With uh, free-to-play games, there's no investment on the part of the uh, end user. If they don't like a game... Or if a game is in early access and it's not where they want it, the developers want to be, there's no reason for a uh, player to keep playing because they put nothing in it. With a paid game, um, they, people are more likely to stick around or at least come back to it at a, at a future uh, date. Because um, like if you were to look at statistics, I am, uh, don't quote me, but if I recall correctly, it's like people play like an average of 20 minutes, 20 minutes to like an hour. And if they are not sold within that hour, they never play the game again. Yeah, I mean that was ultimately the thing that if there was an Achilles heel of dust, you know, it you know, the root of it was not necessarily that, but that was absolutely the most forward-facing symptom was when you tried to bring somebody into the game, and and I think you guys just a little while I talked about it's like how do you just explain how to get into the game and not get wrecked, like that when you spend an hour doing that and not shooting people in the face. That's a hard sell for a free-to-play game, particularly if you don't have anybody sitting there explaining it to you. Yeah, I think that's that's totally accurate. Was there anything else you guys want to discuss real quick before we uh, wrap this one up? Oh, um, Pokey, I demand that a fair trial for Darth be um, performed in the uh, the Pokey Darth homicide case. Before suicide, yes. Yes. um we'll we'll tell the quick story here so um i sat down with uh myself darth carbonite um and then uh, jadik menaheim and then someone else from uh in incorruptibles his name is brick i think i'm not sure what his full name full screen name is but we sat down and tried the demo um and this is easy mode right and so we're all fairly seasoned you know dust veterans we play a lot of fps games so we we go in and we do the match and um we get a perfect score so we get like a thousand points sancha scores zero we just absolutely decimate them so we 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 win and it says okay go to the exfiltration points we're going to the pod and you gotta wait like 60 seconds to like defend the pod or whatever while you're waiting to take off and so we're just sitting there and like Dar- uh, Janik and, and, um, and Brick are shooting stuff. I've got my grenade launcher. I'm kind of picking things off. Darth is doing this weird, like, dance of his people in the corner. Um, like, I'm not even sure what it was. And so I'm shooting, and I'm like, okay, we got, like, three seconds left in the clock. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get one more kill. And so I line up the shot, and I pull the trigger. Darth stands up, takes two steps in front of me. Grenade hits him in the side of the head. No friendly fire, but I blow up. And so I die three seconds before the match is over. Um... And it's entirely Darth's fault, and you know we took off. So you got destinied. I got destinied. Yeah. No, it was it was terrible. And and Darth will pay for his crime. So he killed, ate a horse at Fan Fest. He killed and possibly ate me at uh, 
at uh, eVegas. So, you know, we'll, we'll have a good trial. Hashtag Darth is innocent. No, no, he's not. His crimes are, are many. Okay. Uh, and what he did to drop ships and, 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 and swarms, he, my swarm launchers. He's got a lot of cases against him. What's, what's, what's up with that? I, I still maintain that he knew vehicles weren't going to be in Nova. So he was like, let's see if I can sneak this in. <laughs> All right, let's do some shout outs here. Uh, Zell, you're up. Zell, shout out. No. Eloquent as always. He's just given up even trying. He just walked out of the room. All right. Fohammer, shout out for you, buddy. What's up? All right. Uh, shout out to my boy, Sergeant Kirk, and the rest of the boys at Lucent Echelon. We roll those guys on squids back in faction warfare 100%. Thanks to us. Let's keep them going. If they put it in, in uh, Project Nova, I expect you guys to be in their bait with me, and we're going to do it again. All right. Good stuff. And Jay. Yeah, a obvious one, but I'm going to give a shout out to Ripley Riley and Foe Hammer for coming on. I mean, like I said, these these guys have been around for a very long time in a in a game community, um, you know, that Pokey and I, you know, have been in and around for I, you know, many many years now, actually. Uh, and one of the and just you know a little bit about it the um, the original Dust Five One Four PS3 game community that was actually the first real online community that I actually connected with in terms of the human beings. Um, and that, that actually got me hooked on to how do you build communities in a digital sense and how do you work towards a common goal in, in a video game. You know, that it's a surprisingly neat experience. And uh, Ripley and Fohammer were great examples of people that uh, really did a lot behind the scenes. And, and frankly, a lot of the game in these kind of games isn't on the screen. It's what happens in chat rooms and Discord, uh, on voice comms. You know, people taking their own time to help uh, in a very fun venue in, a, in a, a video game work towards something new or work, you know, build a kind of a neat social hobby. So my hat's off to you guys and anybody that anybody really that does that in any game, you know, even if it's WoW. Uh, so uh, my hat's off to Fohammer and Ripley Riley. Appreciate you guys coming on and you're absolutely welcome back at any time. Sounds good. All right. Uh, we'll have Ripley do his next. Uh, shout out, of course, to Encore. Um, a huge shout out to CCP Dopamine. Um, he and I have been talking a lot about the community in general and maintaining it into Project Nova and, and the server and stuff like that. He's got a good head on his shoulders, so looking forward to working with him on, him on different stuff. Um, yeah, that's really it. Oh, th uh, shout out to you guys for hosting me. Always cool to come on Biomass whenever I get a free minute. Like Jay said, both of you are always welcome. And like I said, for anyone who's listening, let's come on and talk about this stuff. I know it's exciting and we can't have a million people on at once, but you know, we, we always like guests. We've gone a long time without them, but it's nice to have them again. It's much less talking for, for me, which I always appreciate. So it's good. So shout out to both of you guys. Um, and the me and Libby are going to share a shout out. Uh, it's going to go to uh, uh, Jason. It's going to go to uh, Zarya, who many of you will know from Dust as well, and to, uh, I think his name was, was Reaper, um, who helped us get through the Leviathan raid on Destiny 2 for the first time, so I could get the stupid Midnight Coup gun. Um, but it was a, a two-day <laughs> two multi-part event to get through it. Um, but yeah, I appreciate everyone's patience and help with that, because it was actually quite a lot of fun. Um, I'd love to get a group to do more raids and I have promised Jay on the air in front of 
everybody that I would do Dreaming <laughs> City with him at some point, so I can't get away from it. <laughs> but we will get it done at some point. Um, but it was a lot of fun. So thanks, guys. I really appreciate uh, helping us get through that. And with that, that is our show. Um, again, thanks to our guests. It's always good to have you. Um, if you want to be on the show, go to biomass.com and there's a contact link on there. You can come check us out. We will get you in here. Uh, but that being said, have a good week and we will see you next time. Bye.